0: tough. Anytime you're transitioning out of one season into another season, you transition transition jobs. If you've been in a career for 15 years and you transition into a new career or a new field, uh, that's very difficult. You transition as you were the child and now you are the parent but now you are caring for old, old aging parents. It's a cycle of life. Those are all transitions, and they are difficult. They're these seasons of change. Grace life is going through some transition right now. There's some change happening. Uh, it's amazing that uh, just be careful about the time somebody says, I'm with you, that you don't have to pull a, back, a knife out of your back. Okay, And uh, as we do... And this, this season, even when they stab us in the back, we still love them. Anybody that leaves this place is not our enemy. I know some of you have been in places that you left, and when you left, you were ostracized, cut off. They didn't even think you were a Christian anymore. No, that's, that's not the case. There's transition, and as people come and as people go, we are still part of the family together, and we will uh, just keep on loving each other, right? So get your Bibles out, and as you do, I give you permission to be yourself. (laughs) I do, I give you permission. Not that you needed my permission, but just be yourself. Stop comparing yourself and just be yourself. And enjoy life, uh, and ask God for a fresh encounter. So I trust this morning you'll see everything that I say from this point forward as a prophetic picture. I'm going to prophesy in a message without saying, thus saith the Lord. But you're going to hear prophetic words this morning. What does prophecy do? It builds up, it edifies, and it encourages. That's what prophecy does. So I trust that everything that you hear this morning will build you up, will edify you, and will encourage you. Most of us have heard enough gospel and have enough scripture in us that no matter how bad it looks, we're not going to quit let's get uh, somebody help me there. We've got enough gospel in us, we've got enough good news, we' got Jesus in us that we're not going to quit. but sometimes we settle. Um, I want to address that. Sometimes we settle. Some of us have settled in places that never that God never designed for us to stop in. You Didn't quit, you just settled. What Do you know what settled means settled means that you accepted or agreed to something, that you considered to be less than satisfactory. It's not really what you were reaching for. It's not really what you even believe God had for you, but some things got in your way, distracted you, derailed you. You got a divorce. You lost your job. Your kids are on drugs. There, any situation that you could look at, but you settled. You didn't quit. You settled. You still go to church. You still think that God is on the throne. You still believe Jesus died for your sins, but you've settled. So, let's go to 2 Kings, the 5th chapter. I'm only going to have one text this morning. A lot of times I'll jump around, I'll give you Galatians, Ephesians, Romans, we'll just jump all over the place. But this morning, one text, and I normally don't do this, but this morning I'm going to read 15 verses, is that okay? And I encourage you to go back over it this week and read 2 Kings. The fifth chapter, verses 1 through 15. Now Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him, by Naaman, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Get that. He was a great and honorable man. He was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Pay attention to that. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and then brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. She was her servant. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how it seeks a quarrel. He seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, they sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abani and the Parfar? The rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying, The man of God in his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all of his aides and came and stood at the door before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all of the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. Father, I pray that as we communicate from the scriptures that we will see a prophetic picture that will encourage us, that will ignite a hunger in us for a fresh encounter with your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've said more than once, and we teach, and we will continue to tell you that anytime you read the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, I believe in it all. Let me go as far as saying from the concordance to the last word of the book of Revelation, I believe it all. What I believe about it is, is it's all about him. Psalms tells us that the volume of the books are written of him. So when we read 2 Kings, what is our purpose in reading 2 Kings? Yes, we can get historical context to what happened to Naaman, and we can see the king of Israel and the king of Samaria. We see a historical picture here. We see what's going on, but when we read it now, cross-eyed, we read it through the lens of the cross, and we're looking back to the Old Testament through the cross and the blood of Jesus, then we read it to find Jesus. He's everywhere. He's cover to cover, word to word, it's about Jesus. The big theological term is it is the Christology of the Bible, finding Jesus, studying Jesus, Everywhere, And I believe that right here in this story you can find Jesus. Would you allow me the time with you just to paint a picture and to take each one of these characters and show you the types and shadows so that we can see Christ and that we may ask and have a hunger for a fresh encounter. Naaman is a great warrior, a mighty man of valor. That simply means that he had great value. Can I tell you that you have great value, that you are mighty men and women of valor? I I can't tell you that you're a great warrior because we don't fight battles. The battle is the Lord's. If we're fighting battles, then we're fighting a battle that's already been won. The song even tells us that. And we need to put our sword in its sheath and not wield the sword anymore and stand in the victory that God has provided for us. But you are mighty men and mighty women of valor. I believe Naaman represents the church today. You are of great value. You are mighty. You are honorable. And you are adored. I told you that last week that the Father adores you, respects you, but he's a leper. I believe that this paints a picture of not just the church, but especially the Western church, the American church. Everything looks good on the outside, but what is underneath and under the surface is the issue. Underneath all of it, he was suffering. Uh, Leprosy is a condition that starts... um, and brings pain, it's a skin rash almost every time that leprosy is mentioned in the scriptures it refers to some type of skin disease and it's a skin rash and this leprosy is really not what eventually killed people it became so painful and it itched so bad that they would scratch till they would tear the skin then the skin would become infected and they would die of infection and I believe that We are a picture, the church in general is a picture, especially in the Western culture, that we try to make everything look good on the surface. Our Facebook pages look good. Our Instagram pages look good. We come and sit in the church and people say, how are we doing? And we say, fine. But underneath it all, under the surface, under all of that's really going on on the facade, is just a facade because we have issues that are itching us, that are causing us pain. We've talked a lot about church hurt. But I believe we've talked about church hurt so long that all it is doing is ripping the flesh away and infection has set in. And the next step that leprosy involves is that you go beyond pain and it becomes the nerve endings start dying and numbness sets in. How many of you have ever been to the dentist and he shot you with some Novocaine? and your tongue's so fat that you can't talk And what do they tell you be careful not to eat anything for the next several hours because you could bite your cheek or your tongue and harm yourself and we don't want to harm ourselves but numbness will lead to uh, this ending where that you are so numb that you self-harm it's worse than pain because when you have pain you're feeling something Here's the fact. Positionally, you are righteous. Positionally, Christ position, I told you last week, you are positioned for blessing. I don't have to do anything and I can't really do anything to position myself. If I do, it's a work and that's of the flesh and if that's of the flesh, what does it profit? Nothing. So positionally, Christ has positioned us through the work that he did at the cross. We are positionally righteous. And there's nothing that you, if we've believed that what Jesus did was enough. How many of you believe it was enough? It settled the deal. He said, it is finished. We believe that. You are righteous. But conditionally, you're a mess. Positionally, he's an honorable man. He's a great man. He's a man of value. He's respected. But conditionally, he's a mess. He's got leprosy. He's a leper. He's dealing with something internally. There are some things in us that Jesus wants to identify and heal. He paid too great a price for us to say, well, it will all be better when I get there by and by on the sweet sunny banks. No. He did all that he did, not only to secure a place for us after the grave, but he did all that he could do for us, did for us because he said he came to give life and he added to that more abundantly, and that's the life that you and I are living here and now. And positionally, Jamie Englehart said it a few weeks ago this way when he was here. There are things that are true about you, You're positionally righteous. You can't change the righteousness of God that you have become in Christ Jesus. But there are some things that are not yet true to you because you're a mess conditionally. You're dealing with things, and I speak to that in general of us all. Jesus wants you to walk in health and enjoy life on the planet. Naaman was a great man of mighty Warrior, And he has leprosy. One commentary says that not even the lowest slave in Syria would want to trade places with him. Uh, why? Because at least they didn't have leprosy. How did the king of Syria not know that Naaman had leprosy? He's kept this from the king. There are things that the people that are closest to you don't even know that you're dealing with you've not let it out you've not shared it with people not it's not like it's a little king a little skin rash that the king couldn't see he kept this thing from the king there are a lot of people in your life that don't care about your issues as long as those issues don't affect your performance And once your issue starts affecting their, your performance, now your issue has become their issue. And you know what usually happens? They bail on you. Hmm. Didn't know how true this message was going to be when I was preparing it because of things that have been brought to light in the last few hours. Leprosy. The church is suffering from leprosy in their soul. It doesn't stop with pain. It then begins to attack your nervous system and it severs the nerve endings and it replaces the pain with numbness. At least when you have pain, you're feeling something. But when you're numb, you don't feel anything. We talk a lot about church hurt, but I don't think that hurt is the church's greatest issue right now. I think the greatest issue that the church has right now is numbness. It's a fact that we have hurt so long and it has gone on so unaddressed that it's led to the place of numbness in the church. Legalism and man-made religion do nothing but fuel leprosy of the soul. Because that at least you're feeling something and if you don't and when you're feeling something if you don't stop performing for the church then it's not an issue for them and they keep on going but when you get to a place of numbness you're dead, you don't feel anything that's usually when we give up. Leprosy wasn't really what usually caused the death like I said, it was the infection. The only thing more dangerous than pain in your life is numbness. As I survey the church it appears that we have gotten beyond pain and we've moved and landed in a place of numbness. Things we used to feel, we don't feel anymore. When's the last time, now listen to me and look at me for just a second, all eyes up here. When's the last time you felt his presence? Feeling is an awareness. When we feel something, we are aware of his presence. When we feel it, we know that that's God. And we can't allow ourselves to be numb to the presence and the power of God any longer. When we allow numbness to set in, we start replacing our feeling with logic. We then are led by our head and not our heart. And we replace, let me tell you how I feel with, let me tell you how I think about that. Huh. We need an encounter, a fresh encounter, face-to-face with Jesus. When's the last time you walked into a Sunday morning gathering and before the worship ever began you expected to feel the power and the presence of God move? When's the last time you felt Him in your own home, in your car, in your own life? You felt the tangible, manifest presence of God. Now I know theologically we know that he is with us and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. The presence of God should not just be a theological understanding. It should be experienced, felt. That we know that we know that we know that his presence is, we can feel it. It's among us. So when I started out in the journey, I didn't have any theology. I had an experience. I can remember at seven years old the experience of feeling the power of God. I've had many encounters with the power and the presence of God. But I'm so concerned that we have a generation now that all they do is talk about the presence of God. And they're not feeling that we have become numb to the power and the presence of God. I'm not trying to hype anything up. But I do believe in the manifest presence of God in a tangible, real way. If you believe that, and if you want that, say amen. Amen. The blind man didn't have any theology. They started talking to the blind man after Jesus touched him. They brought him into the temple, and they said, Well, you know what about this third uh, toenail on the beast on the left foot and what about eschatology and what about rapture? He said... (laughs) I don't know anything. I know one thing. I had an encounter. I once was blind and now I see. I had been blind for a long time but when I, the presence of Jesus was manifested to me it didn't matter whether you were pre-millennial, post-millennial or amillennial. It mattered that the presence of God showed up. I once was blind and now I can see. He had an experience. We need a, I can't, We need a fresh encounter with the power now this servant girl verse 3 Naaman's wife had a servant girl and she had been strategically placed to see and to hear what the public couldn't see and hear I believe she is a picture and she represents the Holy Spirit why would you say that well number one she's female a lot of men are hard headed a lot of females have intuition The spirit of wisdom, not the spirit of hard-headedness. That's the spirit of God. I'm married to the Holy Spirit. Lisa told me that last week. (laughs) She's not here to defend herself, so I can say that this morning. And this girl is being held captive by Naaman, and I believe that the church has held the Holy Spirit captive for years. We do more to try to control the spirit than to just let him roam freely and do what he wants to do so that we can feel his presence and his power. Ah, Holy Spirit, you're free to do what you want to do. The Holy Spirit sees the problem. but greater than that the Holy Spirit will always point you to the problem solver. This girl saw and heard the problem and she points them to the problem solver. That's the Holy Spirit, the helper. The servant girl knows that her master has a problem. What's his problem? Leprosy. She knows who can help him be cured of his leprosy. And she says, go see the prophet. She's trying to point him to the encounter that would change his life from the inside out forever. I'm trying to point you to the encounter with Jesus that will change you from the inside out forever. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But because of numbness, the church is full of of sin. And it's not this sin and that sin. It's one sin, it's the sin of unbelief. We don't believe that the Holy Spirit does it like that anymore. Our encounters have become stale, our experiences have been replaced with what we know. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to something that we can feel touch your neighbor. They can feel that. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to something that we can feel. She tells him to go see Elisha. But he goes to see the king and tells the king to send a letter to the king of Israel. Look at verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you to Naaman my servant that you may cure him of leprosy. She says go see a prophet, but he goes and sees a politician. Now stay with me. You, know, you don't want to talk about the American church today. One of the greatest issues that we have is that if the American church has gone to the political mountain for spiritual answers. And politicians cannot give you the spiritual answers to spiritual questions. It will not result in an encounter. Did you hear me? I don't care if you ride to the poles on a donkey or an elephant, it's only the lamb that's gonna bring us an encounter. Did you hear it again? I'll say it again. It doesn't matter if you wrote D or R, it's not in a, a, a lamb, it's only in the lamb, it's not in an elephant or a donkey. Answers aren't going to be found. On a political mountain, the answer was found on a mountain over 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave his life for us and to us and shed his blood and changed the course of history for us if we believe it. At the end of the day, the politicians don't have the answers. The prophets do. The king gets the letter and he throws a fit. He rips his clothes off. He says, am I God that I can heal? He realizes he can't do anything about this issue. But word gets to Elisha about what had happened. And he says, go tell the king, hey, you got my mail. The letter went to the wrong place. It shouldn't have been going to the politician. It should have gone to the prophet. And he said, don't worry. Chill out, king. Relax. You just got my mail. Send Naaman to me. Elisha is a type and shadow of Christ. He's the problem solver. He's the healer. Holy Spirit is always going to point us to Jesus. Because Jesus is always the source. Verse 9. Look at verse 9. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Go wash in the Jordan. Go to the Jordan. The Jordan represents the gospel. It's shallow, it's where the children of Israel stepped in and through to the promised land and as we step, because of the good news, we step into Jesus, our promised land, he steps into us. It was a special place that had power, it had split many times and Naaman didn't see it. He was criticizing the Jordan. Do you know how many people criticize the gospel? There have been people that have come into this place and they've heard it and thought it was the greatest thing since peanut butter and jelly, but now they, can't, they won't even eat it. It's like mushrooms and Brussels sprouts to them. And they're criticizing it. Oh, they don't believe in the whole Bible down there. Oh, they only preach this or they only preach that or they only do that. Listen, I stand before the Lord every single week and I ask Him if this isn't what I'm supposed to preach, if this isn't going to help the people, if this is not what you want, if this is not good news, shut me up and shut me down. I have a responsibility to feed you and I'm not going to feed you anything that brings fear on your life. It's not the gospel. I want to share with you and feed you something that encourages you, lifts you. And you say, well, all they preach down there is sloppy agape. Well, I'd rather have sloppy agape day than terror and fear and night tremors and all types of headaches because I can't sleep because I'm too afraid. But you know what? I go home and I lay my head down at night and I don't have to say that prayer anymore. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take because I know that I know Amen. that I am His and I have no more fear. Naaman didn't see it. He was criticizing the Jordan. Matter of fact, in verse, um, let's see where it is here. Twelve. Are not Abaniah and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better? Isn't that church better? Isn't their music better? Isn't their children's ministry better? Isn't, and I'm not criticizing any other churches. All I'm just saying is we're like Naaman sometimes and we criticize the message and we go out say, listen, I want to allow the Holy Spirit through me to point you to Jesus. And if you can find Jesus someplace else, then by all means you get to where you can find Jesus and have an encounter with him so that your life is changed forever from the inside out. But I believe we got a pretty good thing going here sharing the gospel with people and what we're trying to do is get you to recognize and be aware of that maybe you've become numb because of the issues that you're not bringing to the forefront. It's under the surface and you've made everything look good on the outside but you're suffering on the inside and there's been so much pain that it's caused nerve endings to da- be damaged and you have become numb to the presence and the power of God and you did a fresh encounter with Jesus. Elisha says, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. It's the gospel. You don't need one encounter with the gospel. You need many encounters with the gospel. You need to keep being immersed, keep dipping into the gospel. Get immersed in the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, there are probably a lot of other messages and ministers that are sexier. here. But all I'm trying to do is get you to where you realize that you need a fresh encounter with Jesus. The gospel's simple. The gospel will give you your life back. The gospel will cause you to feel again. You can't have a God encounter and stay the same. If you have ever felt the manifest presence of God, I'm a mountaineer. I love the blue and gold, and all that a win like yesterday does is fuel a fire in those boys to want to win another one. And a fresh encounter with God, all it will do is fuel your fire to have another encounter with the presence and the power of God. And then to have another encounter with the presence and the power of God. These fresh encounters will continue to change you from the inside out, and you'll never be the same. And I, I believe that it's time for the church to recognize she's become numb. Now, here's the this is a cool, cool thing right here. The Bible says to seek the Lord with all of your heart. So that when you seek him, you will find him. That's a guarantee. He's not playing hide and go seek with you like you're a little child and teasing you about his presence. He wants you to encounter his presence. And if you'll just seek it, if you'll just get a See, I believe, Bill Johnson said it and I believe it as well. That it is God himself who births in you the seed to want to have an encounter with him. So God puts this seed in you. It's a hunger. It's a desire for you to come after him. And it's, not a, it's a romance of chasing. It's not that, oh, he's never going to let you find him or he's never going to let you catch him. Matter of fact, he's right here right now wanting to manifest his presence to you. The, the, the question is, are we going to get beyond our numbness and desire to feel him afresh and anew in our lives? Jennifer if you'll come and play it's time for the numbness to go I mean believe me I've had church hurt I, I've, I could tell you stories I grew up in it as a pastor's kid I've pastored now for 21 years I know it's hard to believe I'm only 22 <laughs> thank you for that I can't hardly believe my youngest is almost 24 and going to get married next August. That's what makes you feel old. But I'm excited about it. You know why I'm excited about that? I'm excited about that for Matthew and for Bailey. But you know what that does for me? Gives me a hope that there will be a seed that has my name that's carried on. Because the gospel's generational. He said... That he may be with, he's with me, my children and my children's children. Yes. To a thousand generations. David played with the kingdom. It was eventually divided. Solomon talked about the kingdom. But Rehoboam knew nothing of the kingdom. Many generations have experienced the power of, The presence of God in the next generation has talked about what their mom and dad experienced. But I'm afraid we're sliding into a generation that has never heard about nor experienced the power and the presence of God because they're numb to the gospel. We've heard all kinds of things. We've heard how-tos and feel-good messages and stories. Listen, I'm all about feeling good. But there is a message that goes beyond that—is the message of the cross and what Jesus did. And you don't have to add anything to that. It's so refreshing. It's so good. But I have to dip in it again. I need to dip in it again because it's good news. And maybe I need to dip a third time and a fourth time and keep immersing myself in the goodness of God so that I encounter His presence and His power afresh and anew. I've seen black mountain leprosy healed in front of my eyes. I've seen a limp baby with no pulse and no color come alive again in its mother's arms. I've witnessed tumors shrink before my very eyes. I've been in meetings where blindness was healed and deaf ears were opened. I was in meetings where people got up out of wheelchairs and walked to never be in the wheelchair again. I've sensed the power and the presence of God, but I don't want to become numb to it. I love Grace Life Church. I love what God does here. I love the message and the mandate that He has given us. But I don't want to get too big for my britches that I'm too big and numb to the presence and the power of God. Listen, when you feel it, you might jump. You might jerk. You might fall on the floor. You might speak in tongues. Any and all of those things you're free to do here when you experience the power and the presence of God It's not those things that I'm looking for but they will happen when you feel Him. Thank you, Crystal, for obeying God and waving a flag we needed at Grace Life Church. We need some more hands raised. We need some people in the aisles. We need some people laying before the Lord. We need some people that, and I'm not into this stuff about weeping and wailing between the porch and the altar for the presence of God. I believe that He is so so good that He wants to manifest His presence in our midst more than we desire it. But He's waiting for vessels that will just say, come and move, Father. Move on your people manifest yourself I can give you a scripture that is a guarantee he enthrones or he manifests himself on the praises of his people can I bring a correction to the body of Christ at Grace Life this is not a rebuke this is a correction you need to start worshiping the Lord with your hands and with your mouth quit being a spectator and start being a participator wherever you are I'm not just talking about in the service you can be a participator in the worship of God in your home in your car on a walk in nature but be a participator don't be a spectator allow how many of you want to fill again the power and the press stand to your feet this morning if you would please The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. Let me say it one more time. The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. Seek the Lord. And I'm not talking about going on a fast. I'm not trying to get you to do any type of work. Desire the Lord's presence and and go after it. And again I believe theologically he never leaves us or forsakes us us. and I believe that we walk by faith but listen I love when I feel his presence Jennifer if you can sing that song we sang last week I, I love your presence maybe you need to move as an act of faith this morning to kneel before the Lord to stand and worship and just Ask him to manifest himself and just let's just spend some time in his presence, and we will begin to feel him. He's going to do something right now.